Crises have an enormous impact on employment, and the COVID-19 pandemic is the most serious crisis we faced in more than a generation. Why is it important to consider the role of employment in dealing with such a crisis? Many countries have policies on health, education, and other social issues. National employment policies play an important role in addressing the crisis and the recovery process through creating quality jobs, ensuring non-discrimination, and provide a vital entry point for both crisis response and the way forward. ILO Director General Guy Ryder had this to say about the importance of policy responses. I think we're seeing it already in many countries it's familiar to you, policymakers are going to have to identify and implement the right sequencing and the right balance of policies, a necessary mix of policies to protect health uh, of, of citizens, but also to try to bring about the, the best economic and social uh, policy outcomes. We're here today with Shukti Desgupta, Chief of Employment, Labor Market and Youth Branch, and Cher Varick, Head of the Employment Strategies Unit. Both are from the ILO Employment Policy Department and are well-placed to explain the importance of national employment policies in responding to the COVID-19 crisis and how these policies can show the way forward to a job-rich national recovery. Shukti and Cher, welcome to the podcast. My first question today for you is how the pandemic has impacted employment worldwide, regionally, and at the country level. Can you provide us with a brief overview with a few statistics? Well, the pandemic has created one of the worst ever economic crises that we have seen since the Great Depression. We have seen GDP figures plummeting in the last few months, the figures coming in from the US. Uh, there was a 12.5% dip in the figures from Italy in the second quarter. And the figures from India this week show that uh, GDP has gone down by some 24% in between April and June. So obviously all this has had a huge impact on, on jobs and on employment. And due to the unique nature of the crisis, which has affected both the supply and the demand sides of the labor market, the impact has been even bigger. People have lost their jobs or have seen a reduction in their working hours. And some people have been hard hit even more than others, such as women, younger workers, migrant workers, informal workers, and some sectors, particularly the transport sector, the hospitality sector, retail, accommodation, labor-intensive manufacturing, have been really, really badly hit. Yeah, so let me come in uh, on some of the statistics. So in, at the ILO, we have been uh, monitoring the, the crisis and looking at its impact. And according to the estimates we released at the end of June, uh, working hours fell by around 14% in the second quarter of 2020 uh, compared with the last quarter of 2019. And now this is equivalent to 400 million jobs globally. And I would also stress that every time we have done this analysis at the ILO, we have revised down the figures reflecting the deterioration of the crisis. And really, no region or individual country has been spared. But Yes, I you know, just uh, compliment what Shukti said about the differences in some of the impact in terms of you know, uh, countries, etc. I would say that you know, our, our estimates show that the Americas have been hit the hardest and their working hour losses have been estimated at uh, more than 18%. Uh, and overall, I would also want to underscore the fact that the severe impact on developing and emerging economies is something that is of grave concern to us because of the high levels of informality, the low capacity, and including the lack of fiscal space to deal with the crisis and really are in the worst position to respond to it. 
These are really astounding figures. Uh, the ILO is proposing national employment policies as a key framework to guide the COVID-19 policy response to these challenges. So what exactly is a national employment policy? Who develops them? What is the role of the ILO in their formation? And can you provide us with some country examples? Well, national employment policies are public policies, uh, a system of laws, uh, measures, courses of action, programs, funding priorities, all aimed towards creating more jobs, creating better jobs, so ensuring that these jobs are decent, of good quality, and also ensuring that there is non-discrimination and freedom of choice. So essentially, the the employment policy framework of the ILO is provided by ILO's normative framework of Convention 122, which was adopted in the 1960s, but is still extremely relevant today. Though when we are talking about the response to the COVID-19, certainly some of the tools and measures we have need to be updated and some of the um, programs that we have need to be more relevant to the crisis response. So let me maybe come in on... Uh how the ILO uh, supports national employment policy. So the ILO is working with its constituents and member states over the whole policy cycle, you know, with our specialists in the field who support employment diagnostics, the related research and the policy processes. And, you know, really at the heart of this is the social dialogue uh, foundation that is there that brings the government together with our social partners and other stakeholders. And I would just uh, stress that, you know, in recent years, we've worked with a you know, large number of low and middle income countries uh, to develop standalone, comprehensive national employment policies, but also to integrate employment objectives in their national development plans from Armenia, China and Costa Rica down to Paraguay, uh, Korea and Sri Lanka. But of course, as Shukti has pointed out, uh, you know, with this crisis, we need to look at the existing national employment policy frameworks and how to uh, adapt them to respond to the devastating impact on the labor market. And as we also have seen, countries have already taken unprecedented measures in terms of fiscal and monetary policies, the support to business and workers. You know, for example, you know, South Africa in April uh, announced a 500 billion rand rescue package, which involves subsidies and job protection measures. Argentina has an emergency labor and, and production assistance program, which also looks at different forms of subsidies and support to business. China is another country which has announced a range of uh, policy measures uh, from uh, early on in the crisis to respond to it, the shock that uh, Shukti referred to. At, at the same time, countries are also adapting their national employment policies as part of their response and recovery strategy. And there the ILO is working with such countries as Ethiopia, Paraguay, South Africa and Tunisia. So the word unprecedented keeps coming up, and, and we keep hearing that this time it's different. So how is the policy response to the COVID-19 crisis different in terms of addressing the need to balance health and employment objectives and sequence policy responses over different phases, such as lockdown, return to work, recovery, in a situation of incredible uncertainty? How, how can these policies help the hardest hit? Yeah, that's right, Tom. Uh, this crisis is... Unlike no other, though there are elements of crises that we've seen before and governments have responded to through employment policies. But the, the real challenge is the fact that countries still need to balance the, the fundamental health objective, which is to contain the virus and the pandemic and its impact uh, on, on people's health, 
and the economic and employment outcomes of those lockdown and containment measures that have been put in place. Now, this is a fundamental trade-off that continues to affect decisions around policies. And in particular, it continues to affect how we see the sequencing of policies. Now, in the, in the initial phases of the crisis, countries have had to go on into lockdown, in many cases, very stringent lockdowns, which prevented the movement of people, prevented economic activity. In recent weeks, uh, uh, we've seen countries moving towards reopening workplaces to get people back into jobs, to get businesses up and running. But we also know that that is not just a simple linear process. Because the virus is still amongst us, we, we've seen in many countries that having to respond to further outbreaks, going back to specific targeted containment measures uh, that are there to that address the resurgence of the virus in particular locations and populations. So really, the fundamental issue is this balancing with a view of sequencing. And of course, we are all trying to move towards recovery. We are pushing, working with countries to support that shift to a job-rich recovery. But of course, the uncertainty continues to impact. And this is really why it is so critical to continue to monitor the crisis, uh, its impact on the labor market, continue to uh, undertake social dialogue, and continue to adapt uh, the policy response in line with the changing situation, both in terms of the health crisis and also the, the jobs crisis. If I may add to that, um, this crisis is not going to be over, you know, in a few months or maybe even, you know, till next year or a few more years. So the crucial question is how do we support economies to generate jobs which are decent? Because at the end of the day, it is extremely important that people have jobs and have the income support that is required. And the current uh, immediate measures will be definitely phased out after some time. But another lesson that we have learned from the previous 2008-9 crisis is that the fiscal stimulus should not be phased out too quickly, which happened last time and actually created much, uh, you know, a continuing crisis. So we, in the context of COVID-19, the employment policies will have to adapt. They have to address both the demand side of the labor market, which means we have to come up with uh, innovative job creation modalities, support SMEs, support informal workers, give, uh, you know, ensure that businesses are able to open and operate and, and uh, engage people on jobs. But at the same time, also address the supply side. That is, you know, we know that a large number of young people have had their education disrupted. Many people are not able to enter the labor market right now. So how do you ensure that the labor supply is maintained while also using public employment services to do the matching in a manner that is uh, meaningful and that actually adds to the current number of decent jobs that we have. So the crucial question here is political commitment, uh, but political commitment that is also um, leads to policies which are sequenced, which are effective, and which really link the immediate measures that we see today to medium-term and longer-term measures. Because as I said earlier, this is going to be a long haul for all of us. Okay, so the ILO's member states have recently adopted a centenary declaration about the future of work. 
and the impact of metatrends such as technology, digitalization, and climate change, among others. So how do these factors influence the future of policy responses? And even though the ILO Declaration on the Future of Work came months before the pandemic, how will we have to adapt our expectations in light of the current crisis? Yes, indeed, you know, prior to the COVID-19 crisis, uh, one of the key issues that we have been discussing at the ILO with our member states, but also around the world, has been the future of work and the, the drivers of, of the future of work, such as technology, climate change, uh, globalization, demographics, etc. Now, we're in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis, and you know we would like to stress that the Centenary Declaration remains as relevant as ever. In particular, I would highlight a couple of points. Firstly, the you know, crisis has exposed you know, a number of fault lines and disparities in the labor market, and further ex potentially further accentuating those inequalities, uh, which are absolutely critical to the future work agenda. Uh, for example, you know, the, the, the pandemic has accelerated a number of trends, and particularly the shift to the digital economy. And while you know, the digital economy offers many opportunities, it also you know, poses a number of challenges. And really, the critical issue there is the ability for, for people around the world, particularly in low- and middle-income countries, to access infrastructure, to have the right digital skills, and really for, for policymakers to see how they can use national employment policies and other programs to support the creation of decent jobs in that sector. Uh, that is one of those fundamental issues that has emerged during the crisis and at, at intersection with what's happening during, with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and the future of work uh, trends. Uh, the green economy is another case that, you know, we are talking a lot about, you know, using this crisis to accelerate the just transition, the shift to the green economy. And this is a critical goal, but will require a lot of emphasis on the right policy interventions over the, over the coming years. And you know, in that respect, uh, we see some countries already talking about and, and placing these types of issues at the center of their recovery plans. Uh, the Korea has announced a Korean New Deal, for example, which consists of a digital New Deal, a Green New Deal, and a stronger social protection system. So you know, this is the opportunity to look at these issues together. And indeed, uh, the Centenary Declaration is a framework thing that can guide this process. Yes, as Cher said, the ILO Centenary Declaration, which was adopted last year, is extremely relevant even when we are dealing with the current crisis, because the Centenary Declaration talks about a human-centered approach to dealing with the future of work issues. But the pandemic has, uh, you know, it's kind of exposed many of the disparities, many of the problems, many of the fault lines we already had in the labor market and hastened some of these future of work um, issues such as digitalization. I mean, we saw large-scale use of uh, digital systems, teleworking, etc. We hope that the current crisis will also prompt a stronger move towards the green economy when countries are building back. Uh, it has to be building back better. That's the ILO's mantra. But uh, in terms of dealing with this crisis, whether it's a national employment policy or any other framework, it has to be done in a manner that addresses the basic requirements of people. And therefore, it has to be human-centered and based on social dialogue and based on um, moving towards social justice. Uh, and therefore, I think there is an intersection between the current crisis and the future of work drivers, which we need to 
explore and we need to adapt and we need to uh, take on board as we move ahead. So to conclude, the current crisis has exposed some fundamental problems in our development paradigm. Uh, we have seen that the inequalities, the divides have become more stark and we are already confronting many of the future of work issues. Also, we see debts going up and indeed for many countries, especially developing countries, financing development and ensuring job creation is going to be an even bigger issue now. And yet, if we don't tackle this issue, we risk falling deeper into the recession. So really, the key question is, how do we generate decent jobs during this time of collapsed economies, if I may use that term? And really, a lot of thinking has gone around this. Um, and this is also where the intersection between the current crisis and the future of work drivers comes in. And we believe that what we need is a dynamic process, which is sequenced, which is holistic, integrated, and is built on supporting local and national economies, supporting informal workers, casual workers, migrants, women who are hard hit, supporting enterprises to retain jobs and workers, ensuring investments and skills to create jobs in those sectors that are likely to expand now as well as in the future. Uh, sectors such as, for example, the green sector, the care sector, the digital economy, creative industries, etc. And all this together will raise aggregate demand in a sustainable manner, and that is the answer. So basically, we need to put the focus on people and on jobs. And that's really what national employment policies are about. But at the same time, it is not business as usual. We are shifting gear to support our constituents at this time of crisis, coordinating better amongst ourselves, including within the UN socioeconomic framework, response framework, um, generating new knowledge, relevant knowledge, increasing our own capacities and scale of work around policy sequencing and policy innovation, uh, also around future of work issues. And in all of this, the ILO's centenary declaration that our constituents adopted last year provide us with a human-centered framework of action through social dialogue and consultation, which is so critical at this moment. Well, I want to thank Shukti and Cher for that very, very interesting dialogue. No one knows what the future of the current pandemic will be or how long it may last. But what we do know, as Shukti and Cher have explained, is that national employment policies can play an essential role in the response to the employment crisis that has already emerged from the pandemic. And it's also important to stress the role of employment policy in dealing with the crisis so that building back better is not just a hollow phrase, but will mean a real, long-lasting improvement in the world of work. I'm Tom Netter, and you've been listening to the ILO podcast series, Global Challenges, Global Solutions, COVID-19, and the Employment Policy Response. Thank you for your time.